Let me tell you what I believe. I believe there's a hero in all of us. There's something inside that they can't get to, that they can't touch. Luminous beings, so not this crude matter. Death is just another path, one that we almost take. Somewhere out there, you, you have another father, too, who gave you another name. And he sent you here for a reason, Clark. You don't owe these people anymore. You've given them everything. Not everything. Not yet. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Hey everybody, welcome to Directed by God. This is the new podcast where we look for how God appears in films. Today, we're going to be talking about The Matrix. Let me tell you why you're here. Let me tell you what I believe. Only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. I know Kung Fu. Show me. No one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. I'm Seth. I am Nathan. Right over here. I'm God. <laughs> I directed this film. Stop. <laughs> Episode one, we're already into some heresy. Introduce yourself for real, please. I'm Regan. Hello. We're we're three we're three friends, three brothers, and we we love movies. We we all are involved in filmmaking, video in some way, and we just we we started noticing, you know, some of these movies mm. these movies sound like the Bible. These these movies sound like Jesus. So, <laughs> and the conversations about the films, we did, we we try to talk about them without talking about the Bible, and it'd just be boring. And so, it's just like, why not just do it? Yes. Why not just crack this baby open? So today, we're gonna be talking about the Matrix. Uh, there's a new film coming out, Matrix Resurrections. We think this film is pretty rich in scripture. Yeah. We'd like to maybe share some thoughts and see what this film has to say for the Christian viewer. Um, that sound good. Do you guys have anything else to add? Uh, I definitely think that we're going to have some good discussion coming out of this one. Our basic structure is we're going to be going into the basic themes of the film, surface level, plot, what's going on. We're going to transition into what kind of scripture parallels we see in it. Does it line up with scripture? Does it not? What can we learn from it? Which will tie perfectly into our kind of closer of what can we actually learn from it? How can we practically apply what we learn in the matrix um, for better or for worse to our lives. And I would just say upfront real quick, this is a rated R film Mm -hmm. and just use your own personal discretion as you choose to view the film. But we're going to be talking about uh, what we see in it from our um, personal perspective and and the Christian perspective from the the best we can do. Hopefully this podcast is not about the matrix. It's about Jesus, but how he appears in films in this particular film. It's just obvious in this film. So it is pretty great. Yes. Let's let's get going. Uh, I guess a little background on this movie, just in case you don't know, came out in 1999. It was this movie that came out of nowhere and was just. It, it started this multimedia franchise, but it kind of started as this, I don't know, almost cult B movie in a way. Mm-hmm. It was just a big sleeper hit. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, it was more successful on DVD than it was oh. in the theater. I think that's what's really got the 
the Matrix train. Because they had the whole uh, the whole website. What is the Matrix dot com? Yeah. It's so it's one of those twists now where you go, what was it like to not know what the Matrix was? Yeah. What was it like to not know what that story was? So anyway. Just, they had a huge hype campaign. And when you watch that first trailer, you have no clue what this movie's about. It's yeah, awesome. they hid the twist well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to try to uh, avoid spoilers at all. This is a 20-year-old movie. Yeah. There's the fourth one coming out. It's just time to catch up. So in our attempt, <laughs> in our attempt to spoil the whole movie so we can really dissect the whole thing, I yeah. have a couple sentences of the plot of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Very basic. Okay. So you have Thomas Anderson, Neo, as we know him, searching for answers as to why... Something feels missing in his life. Mm-hmm. What is the Matrix? What is mm-hmm. this mysterious thing going on? He is broken out of the Matrix and discovers that he's living in a false digital world, a fake world, while humans in reality are being harvested by the machines as batteries. And he joins the fight against the machines and accepts his role as this prophesied chosen one to free humanity from the Matrix and the machines. And in the end, rescues his fellow companion, Morpheus. And that's pretty much that whole first movie in a nutshell. Yeah. And there's, Cy- some, there's some punching as well. There's a lot of punching. It's basically cyberpunk Jesus. <laughs> is, I mean, that's yeah. one way to put it. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about briefly just each each person's relationship with this movie? Sure. It, you know, your first time you saw it or what you like about it? Yes, I could do you, that. You go first. Me first. Ah, you go first. Look at me. I grew up pretty straight-laced, but this movie, just with all the black leather and the sunglasses <laughs> and the cool music and the hacker, it just... Something about that counterculture, even if it is now 20 years old, just really gets me going. So but, it wasn't the whisperings of Christ. No, not at all. Not at all. But no, I, growing up as a high schooler and liking films, there was just something, first of all, about the way this movie was shot, that I could just watch it. And it's, it's so cliche, cliche now, but literally every time it was bullet time, I would get chills. But then from an early age, my youth pastor, Weston, he showed me this. There's more going on. This is a spiritual film. and just Anyway, so I've, I've watched it so many times and come to love the sequels as well, so... I probably watched it when I was 13, 14. Still watching it now as a middle 20-year-old man. Thank you. It's a rich film. Yeah. Um, Nathan, do you remember the first time you saw The Matrix? Yeah. I mean, I have a special relationship to this movie. I wear sunglasses on my head nearly <laughs> all the time. So I, I have a special kinship. Um, I didn't realize that's where that, this is where that came from. <laughs> no, not quite. Oh, um, okay. But, I believe that. Uh, <laughs> you're a liar. Oh, so you're a liar. I, uh, uh, way to start. <laughs> I uh, actually do have a special first memory of this movie because my sister is actually 10 years older than I am. So she was a child of the 90s, grew up loving 90s culture. And she was like, it is a rite of passage before you go into middle school. that You have mm-hmm. to have seen The Matrix. <laughs> mm-hmm. And growing up, being born in 98, none of my middle school friends had even heard of The Matrix. But for me... Like, mm. seeing The Matrix going into sixth grade was, like, a big thing. And I've never forgotten that. And we watched it in her room on a tiny little, you know, not a flat screen, but like a little box TV. Was it VHS? Um, <laughs> I, I still think it was DVD, but okay. it was, like, you know, the oldest DVD yeah. players hooked up with, like, composite cables. And, um, you were entering The was, Matrix yourself. I was. And it was, I remember how scary it really was. Because yeah. there were parts that were awesome. There's the black leather and yeah. the... The shootouts, but when there's he some first parts. awakens in the Matrix and there's all the slime, I was like... It's scary. Scared yeah. of that. There was the the scene with the bug and him going mute. Still pretty scary yes. to this day. Um, but despite that first initial experience being a little... Maybe just on the edge of what I could handle, you know, I kept coming back to it and I showed it to other people. And it's it's a movie that holds up. Absolutely. Yeah. So your sister was Morpheus for you. <laughs> yes, exactly. You got to see this film. It'll change you. There's something about this movie where it's 
I don't want to say the film is evangelistic or it is the gospel, but there's this element of this movie where you just go, you just have to see this movie. Yeah. And there's, there's a secret so core to just knowing culture that you have to watch this to get it. The, I think there's the, a secret knowledge, a Gnostic knowledge. I think the, I think the movie does maybe unlock some cultural things. Yes. I think our relationship with, I don't know, social media and the internet and computers, if not for the matrix, because today we, I don't know. We have like a code and category for some dystopian things. We go, that's like the Matrix. Yeah. And the term red pill is so yeah. prevalent as well. That's true. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard of this movie was my uncle went to see it when it came out. And I was talking to him. I said, what is the movie about? And he couldn't tell me. He just went, I don't know, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> he took the blue pill. He, he, went, he said it was about computers. <laughs> <laughs> it was about computing in the early 2000s. <laughs> I mean, it is it is crazy to think that this is this is like a, a turn of the century movie. The internet is not at all what it is today. So you're yeah. kind of the beginning of a new digital frontier, and here's this movie about the slavery of a digital frontier. That's not like Tron Legacy. Um, new, di- new digital frontier. Mm, That's Tron Legacy. It is. It's so ahead of its time, though, from we'll a commentary we'll talk perspective. About that movie one day. Anyway, mm. it is ahead of its time. Um, I think I remember the, the first time I ever saw this. I think. We had a we were trying out an HBO subscription, so it would have been ninety nine or two thousand, probably two thousand. Uh, I just caught it on TV and would just watch bits and pieces, and I think I never saw the whole thing until one day, one of the best birthday gifts of all time. I had I got the Matrix on VHS, mm. and I went, "Mom and Dad, this is rated R," and they just said, "It's okay." <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, son. It's okay, and that that was a big deal. I remember that VHS. It had like a it was foil. It was shiny. Um, I don't think the DVD was like that. Anyway, uh, something about this movie, I think it does unlock something in you. I remember lines that have always stuck with me, even as a, as a boy, just hearing things like, what is real? How do you define real? You hear that and you go, oh, okay. You need to think about what's real. Yeah. Not everything is real that appears real. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just always been, it's always been a staple of my life. And once I personally started to to get more deeply in, into the Bible, especially the book of John, I just went, uh, I see where the Matrix came from. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And one quick note, not to derail that at all, because I, I love that story. I was done. Derail um, please. Good. The train is derailed. Um, <laughs> is, is just that it's interesting to me that as Christians, we see so much richness to this film, but there are also people that and I'll, we'll get into this more later, but whether it's Buddhism or Hinduism yeah. or kind of yeah. nihilism even, it seems that there's something about this film that regardless of what faith you have, yeah. they're drawn to something in it. Mm-hmm. And of course, the the writers of the film themselves, I, I don't believe are Christians to my knowledge. I don't think so. So there's, there's this interesting idea to it where we see so much in it that we're going to talk about. But also, I think it begs a question that's great for this podcast in general of... What happens when, if God's truth is the truth for the world, for mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. if you say something that's true, it's going to show up. So a movie that's asking questions even more than giving answers, mm-hmm. I think is ripe for this kind of discussion mm-hmm. because the Matrix, depending on your answer, you have a wildly different worldview. But the question of what is my life supposed to be about? Is life meaningful? Are people, do I have value? There's got to be more to life than this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is there more to life than this? I think it's the question of our generation, maybe every generation, and those existential questions speak to everyone, regardless of what conclusion you come to. And we're going to discuss the conclusions that we have Mm -hmm. as we go on. Yeah. Interesting. So this film, in your mind, I mean, I think it's accurate, is 
it's asking more questions than perhaps answers it's giving. Yeah, or even the answers it has are within this specific digital fantasy world. But when you apply this to your life, you have to ask yourself, some people come to the conclusion, and we're kind of getting into the sure. um, second part here, but some people look at this and say, what if our world is a simulation? Mm-hmm. Some people look at it and say, okay, you know, there's no chosen one in real life. I guess we are just slaves to the Matrix. Wow. Um, some people might be the ciphers that are like, okay, you know, I don't know if there's a higher power, but I'm not even interested. The temporary pleasures of life are enough for me. Give me some steak. Or you look <laughs> at it and you go, okay, I feel like Neo. I feel like there has to be more to life than this. Yeah. What yeah. is that? Right. And obviously as Christians, we're in the pursuit in of that, that believing mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life that answers that question. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you're right. It kind of is on each person to map that path. But anyway, anyway, just spoiling it a little bit, two and three, I think, maybe nudge it in the Christian direction. Sure. Well, we'll definitely get there with the sequels. <laughs> exactly. There is a fair amount of, kind of like Star Wars, there's a fair amount of Buddhism in these movies. Yeah. But I, I think I think, I think, think Jesus wins in the end. I think he won. <laughs> um, he did. Nathan, kind of to your point, I think everyone who watches this movie, regardless of where they're coming from, they have to ask, what what is the Matrix? Yeah. In their own lives, mm-hmm. which is uh, that's a good question to ask, because within that question is just I don't know. You can't ask that question without engaging with the spiritual world, and right? It's a spiritual think, question. Yeah. What is the meaning of life? Why are we on Earth? Why are we born? Why do we exist? Spiritual questions. What you is can't fa- get away from it. What is the false world? Mm-hmm. What are the lies I've been told? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I interact with the it. truth. Yeah, absolutely. That that's generally the movie. I wrote down some themes, general themes that we can maybe dig into, and then segue into scripture. Yeah, let's do it. The broadest themes I can think of are, I mean, truth is probably the biggest one. Truth and belief. I don't know. There's something about this movie where um, there's something about the advent of computing Mm. and hacking where I think this is a timeless story you see in fantasy, there being a spiritual realm and a physical realm. But just The Matrix is a film um, with computers Somehow, you know, hacker aliases and kind of ultra, mm-hmm. ultra, ultra personas. Mm-hmm. That created this amazing movie where you could create an actual metaphor for the spiritual and physical divide. I just kind of wonder, how would you show that visually? How would you show that division between flesh and spirit without... Anyway, I, The Matrix does a great job using computers to do that and showing, look, there's like literally a whole other world you can go into. Mm-hmm. And that, it feels completely similar. And yet there's a whole other reality you're not even aware of. Anyway, so I think I think The Matrix is such a unique film because it, I don't know, it's just one of the first films that show that divide perfectly, I think. Tron? No. No. <laughs> no. What, yeah. what do you think the movie's saying? What, what, what is the ultimate message of The Matrix? The, the film, the first one. First one. Mm-hmm. Just the first one. Wake up. Wake up. Okay. That's what Rage Against the Machine says. Uh, hmm. What is the ultimate message of the film? Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. <laughs> it's tough because this film specifically, I, I, I read a lot out of Neo's kind of finale speech to the machines. Yeah. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. 
A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. And there, there's just kind of some... You'll never control us. No, your rules can't define us. There's just some general counterculture angst there. Big liberation language. Liberation language. No boundaries. No rules. Yes, no rules. And that's... I think the film is saying more than that, but that is the note it ends on. Yeah. And it seems pretty clear. Now, obviously, Morpheus is searching for the one, someone who can save all of humanity, someone who could um, literally be a messiah, someone who can lead. So I just kind of go, within that spiritual world, there is a savior. So I think I think that's at least... <laughs> the film is saying something like that, too, I think. It's definitely... If I could boil down what the movie's saying, it's saying truth is good. <laughs> truth is definitely good. Truth is, truth is liberating. I think everyone will agree that the Matrix is at least saying that. Truth's yeah. a good thing. Truth will set you free. Um, and then there's some other stuff in there about, uh, you know, the big question to me as a Christian watching the movie is, is the movie saying that you can save yourself yeah. by believing in yourself? Or is the movie kind of saying there is a savior? Yeah. That's kind yeah. of the big question mark for me. But at the very least, I think the film is saying truth is a liberating force. It's a liberating force. And there's something about it where there is a reality and truths that you will not see or taste or touch or even smell. Smell. <laughs> and you, once you accept them, you need to live your life in orientation with them despite your entire life. You might even mm-hmm. – anyway, you, you may not physically experience them. It's actually no going back. Yeah. And in the Christian sense, it would be living with a perspective of eternity in a physical way now. Um, but the Matrix is saying, well, look, once you've once you've been unplugged and you know there's a real world, that's going to change how you go to work as Thomas Anderson, right? It's going to change. You're your, no longer Thomas. Exactly. Anderson. You're gonna, yeah. Everything about you will change once you realize that there is another world that's actually real. That's good. You My know? name is Neo. Yeah. What What do you think, Nathan? Just the broad exegesis of the Matrix. Yeah, I I definitely agree with what's been said so far. This idea of truth, the idea that. I mean, even right now with social media, like we, we so often live in our own little false world bubbles, but yeah, obviously yeah. that's that's more at predicting than anything. But for broad strokes of what the movie means, we said it a little bit before, but just that there there has to be a bigger truth than what we see and experience. Like just going to work every day, going home, sleeping, mm. is my life meaningful mm-hmm. in any way? There is a truth. There is a, a realm higher than our mm-hmm. physical realm. And then you get into these questions that I think, once again, the, the movie answers in various ways, but there's the question of like belief. I think belief is rewarded, whether that's belief in yourself or belief in a higher power. We can discuss that as we go on, but belief in the film is certainly rewarded. Yeah. Um, and it's important. Yeah. People are constantly questioning, do you believe in the chosen one? Do you right. believe Neo's the right. chosen one? Yeah. Um, and ultimately, as well as belief and kind of destined mm-hmm. things, there's also an element of choice. Mm-hmm. The famous oh, scene, yeah. Blue Pill, Red Pill. Absolutely. There's this element of, okay, there is more out there. Are you willing to answer that call? Or are you going to just live life as if you never heard about yeah. it? Right. Are you going to reject the truth and say, I'm good? Yeah. Right. Because even Morpheus, he can only show you, he can only show you the door. He can only show you the path. you got to walk it. You gotta he can hand you it. the pill. He can hand you the pill. <laughs> this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. 
and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Choice is a big thing in all three films. That theme is made much more complex in two and three, mm-hmm. but uh, it's 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 maybe I don't know I, I don't know I don't want to overstate it, but that is if not the biggest theme in all three films, it's it's up there. Yeah. Now, just bef- there is one element of this film where you know he says the matrix is everywhere. It's when you pay your taxes, when you go to church. You want to get into that? Well, I'm just I'm just suggesting that one film the film one t- thing the film is saying is it seems confidently saying that religion and uh, government structures is part of the control. Those are, yeah, that is part us. of the daily. Uh, control structure that blinds us from the yes, real world. Yes. Um, and that's probably not very in line with what we think, but I think the film is saying something like that. Okay, well, let's... Transition point. <laughs> let's let's dive into this major theme of the false world. Yeah. Because, um, again, the film is predicated on truth, true world. There's an objective truth. It will set you free. Mm-hmm. So let's talk... Let's get into the false world of The Matrix. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Incredible statement. Hmm. Um, and hearing it, hearing that now, I definitely stress the church and taxes, but obviously it's also when you look out the window. It's everywhere. <laughs> so it literally, yeah, that, yeah there's, a, there's a larger point being landed out there. I, yeah, I think so. And I think, um, okay, well, let's just ask a question. Uh, is the film criticizing religion there or otherwise? I think it might depend on what your definition of, of religion is because that, like we're saying, the, the film has this desire to break out of the confines of control in one place it says the matrix as an entity is control Mm -hmm. so some people view organized religion the church itself as just another way to control people it's an organized structure just like a government or anything else it certainly it certainly can and and has been yeah and when you the the movie seems to say if you break free of that you can transcend but I think we look at it more from this angle of if you actually knew what a relationship with Christ is, breaking out of control and slavery, which does exist, transcending to a higher plane actually comes by putting your trust in something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Morpheus. That's what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> he's not just free and just doing it. You know, he's in the corner minecrafting a new he's world of his own. Something. He's serving something. He's, yeah, he's, a, he's a task from the Oracle. He's, he's, he's got a higher purpose. Absolutely. There's that that uh, Morpheus speech. It sounds so much like something Paul says in Second Corinthians four. Um, he says, "If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God." So that it, that the key text, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. It sounds a lot like it is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. So God is the machine. The God, God is an agent. God is an agent? No, the God of this world. Oh. So oh. the God so of this Satan. world. Yes, Paul means the enemy. Yes, Paul means Satan. The Excuse God me. of this world. Excuse me. The enemy weird. is keeping Highly embarrassing. Highly embarrassing. Scriptural exegesis. <laughs> oh, silent now. Double clarification. The God of this world Oops. is not referring to God. Oh, and there's something with that where I just go, when Agent Smith says, you know, 
this this matrix represents the pinnacle of your society. And the matrix you see is a city. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a purely human created place. Mm-hmm. It's a you don't really see a lot of green. Well, I'm sorry. The, the film is a little green. But you don't see a lot of green places. Well, depending on which cut you're watching, more very, very brown, unfortunately. More brown. Uh, but there's no there's not a lot of trees. Apparently, in, this, in the second one, you see a mountain once. But I'm just saying the matrix. There's itself, no trees ever. When you see it, yeah. it's just this metropolitan blah. It's just yeah. it is this world that is what Smith says, which we haven't even said his name, Smith. Agent Smith. Feels good. He's the main agent. Did you know that the first Matrix was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy? It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believed that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. So the perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from. Hmm. The world in which humans are most asleep in is a world where they think they're in the most control, which is this city, this perfect uh, thing. It's not nature. Yeah. It's not paradise. In fact, Smith says that humans rejected a paradise, rejected a natural, beautiful world. Yeah. They won this place where they feel like they're in control and it's not perfect. It's it's their pinnacle of their society. That's the fall. A Tower of Babel situation. That's, that's the fault. 100%. Yeah. That's literally, I mean, Eden is the paradise and... You know, why does sin enter the world? Because Adam and Eve say, hey, I want control. I want to run my life, my way. Who cares about God's way? I want to do this. And when they take control, that's the fallen state of the world. That's how sin enters the world we live in. Do you think in earlier Matrixes, there's just some trees and people would just look at them and they would have these spiritual experiences and they would just become unplugged? And they would no, 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 no. The machines went, get rid of those. They went, oh, no, no. And so it's by showing them the artifice of our natural urban world that they're like, that. that is what will sedate and tranquilize and make you feel like you're in control the mm-hmm. most. I don't know. It's interesting. Something that will not be, it's only hinted at in this movie, but there's that great speech from Morpheus where he's telling the history of the Matrix and he says, all of humanity united, marveled at our intelligence as we gave birth to AI. And, uh, it sounds like the world today, honestly. But I mean, Tower of Babel. It's very Tower of Babel, but with, our, a, with an AI pride, spade. Yeah. Our pride, our celebrating our own accomplishments and our own glory. Yes. The worship of self led to the downfall. Yeah. In the Tower of Babel, humanity is united, but it's united over what humanity can do. And the text there is um, humans wanted to build a name for themselves. And it was a cool thing in the Tower of Babel is technology is linked to it because it was the new, it was the advent of bricks that allowed them to build the tower. So this is, yeah, cool. Isn't that cool? So that's a lot. We love like our intelligence at building the brick. The brick. <laughs> <laughs> we kept. It was a Jenga tower. We just didn't know how far we could go. We then just kept the, going. But then going. the brick. But then the brick enslaved us. The, brick enslaved the tower us. was so big we couldn't get out. <laughs> no. God literally creates the world, and mankind's like our brick towers, killing it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and now the bricks have yeah. enslaved us so that we can make their paste. It's a it, the Tower of Babel is awesome because you go, isn't unity good? But then you go, no, you can't unite around something, the false thing, like. Uh, like making a name for yourself. Man. Before we, uh, no, Reagan, go. What is the what is the natural reading of this film? How, if you're a non-religious person watching this film, what is I don't know. What is the spiritual realm? What is what is what are you supposed to be doing? I mean, I, I watched I this know. as a kid before I was, you know, uh, 
a practicing con- conscious Christian, I guess. And I just went, this movie's awesome and makes me think the truth's cool. And well, what, what is the truth? Just the know, idea of I truth? Know, but it's out there. Hmm. It's real. Okay. <laughs> and I think that's maybe a lot of people listening are like this. I think that you certainly can attest that like yeah. long before you were a practicing Christian, you had this idea that there was an objective truth. Yeah. And like mm. that was part of what kind of led you to the truth of Christ was, hey, I know that there's this thing that's higher than what I see out mm-hmm. there. There is morality. There are these things that I know to be true that are not relative they exist and they come from something. They come mm-hmm. from somewhere. We just, like I said earlier, we just have an answer. Um, Christians have an answer? You yeah, mean, like yeah. we have an answer to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is this objective truth? Okay, well, a creator put that truth into place because he designed the world. Of course it will be true because that's the way he made it to be. Um, and is there a way out? Is there a purpose? Well, it's like, well, yeah. if God created us on purpose for a purpose knitted us together in our mother's womb for a specific place and a specific time to do a specific thing, then of course there's purpose. Every single person that's alive has a reason to be here. Mm-hmm. We just have to actually look to our creator to find out what that is. Um, yeah. Which is definitely off off the beaten path of the film, but I think that's... If you don't have that... The key. That's I, the key to unlock these questions. Yeah. The belief that even... There is a key, and that they can be unlocked. Sure. Even if you don't know what the key is. Mor- yep. Morpheus calls it the splinter in your mind driving you mad. You know there's something wrong with the world, mm-hmm. and have there's got to be ever, something more. Have you guys ever had a splinter before? Not in my mind. No. Wait, that, how would that happen? Whoa. Isn't that... Wasn't there a Star Wars... The first Star Wars splinter novel mind's sequel eye. to A New Hope, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. What does that mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something going on there. Cool. So if you, you had a splinter, I was asking that for real. It hurts. Splinter hurts. Going on my, under my thumb once, every time you move your finger, it was pain. So imagine an idea so painful that every time you move, you are aware of its reality. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. We're still in this speech that Morpheus is giving, the wool over the eyes of yeah, humanity. the false world. Um, I think that while we're, we're on the subject of slavery, which he, he actually mentions verbatim, is yes. like this world is... Slavery. We are enslaved. You are a slave, born into bondage, into a prison you cannot taste or see or touch. Which I think is a huge spiritual truth to unpack of when we are born into this world, we are born into a fallen world. And because Mm -hmm. it's fallen, we are slaves to sin. And um, we have the chance to be liberated from that because through the death of Christ, we can be set free. And I think that it's said really well in Romans 6, um, 18 through 19, where it says... Uh, let's see. I know that's the Morpheus quote. My bad. Okay. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. Mm-hmm. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slaves to impurity and to escalating wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. Mm-hmm. So like our whole lives, we've been slaves to the system. We've just done whatever our feelings or our flesh told us we wanted to do 
we have, and a lot of people think that looks like freedom. Yeah. I'm going to liberate myself from social norms. I'm going to liberate myself from what everyone else is telling me to do. And I'm going to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And when you do it, you realize you're miserable because really you are a slave, but you're a slave to those desires and whims and true freedom is saying, all right, I'm going to surrender to what's actually going to fulfill me and actually make my life better. And that's not always what I want. It is actually becoming, uh, it says slave to righteousness, righteousness being in a right standing with God. So like, Mm -hmm. it's not just being perfect. Mm. It is when I surrender, God knows it better than I do. That's where freedom comes from. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So in John 8 says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. I think in this film, there's no text to say that, you know, after you're free from this slavery, you should be a slave to something else. Right. I think in the later two films, though, with Morpheus and Neo specifically, they're, yeah. on, they're on a path. They're they're yeah. they're serving something. I, I think so. I think Morpheus, you can maybe derive that here, but I think in this film specifically, it'd be hard to derive that there's, yeah. there's freedom in slavery. This film is more about liberation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The relation with the Oracle, I think, is the closest this film gets because there's this quote that really stuck with me where Neo's kind of frustrated. I'm sorry, kiddo, I really am. You have a good soul. And I hate giving good people bad news. Don't worry about it. As soon as you step outside that door, you'll start feeling better. You'll remember you don't believe in any of this fate crap. You're in control of your own life. Remember? There's just that idea that Neo wants to just reject the idea that he's called to something higher. Right. But he totally is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he is meant to be the chosen one, and at, at least in this film, the way we understand it. And that is not considered wrong or control. That's considered him fulfilling the purpose that yeah. people had hoped and yeah. prayed to happen. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. It's kind of in the subtext, but yeah. Yeah. More explicit in, in two and three. But there is something, maybe there's another place to talk about it, but because there's a reading of this film where you go, okay, so the Oracle just lies to Neo. When he when Neo asks, am I the one? She goes, no, you're not. You got the gift, kid, but it feels like you're waiting for something. And I just go, is this an episode six situation? <laughs> is, is there a retcon happening here? What like, do you mean? Star Wars episode six, you know. Oh. I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, it didn't seem like you did. I'm, I'm aware that that is a film. If you were of, if you were of God, you would have just kept going. Anyway, just uh, what are you talking about? Obi Wan. Uh, oh, I guess yeah, you. exactly. I'm just. Okay. There's just. Is this just in the next film to go? Oh, we wanted to lie. Just the film would be better. But no, there's some, there's a reality with the Oracle and with Morpheus, but more with the Oracle where you just there is this world that again you can't be seen or tasted or touched. So you the secrets of it are locked in these. I just think about the parables in Matthew, and mm-hmm. it, or I just go, the kingdom of heaven is like. It's just there's just times where you cannot just directly say what the spiritual reality is sometimes. You know, you ha- there's a lot of John happening in this in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of also Matthew of just, I can't, you know, no one can show you, no one can tell you what the Matrix is. You have to experience it. And of course, when the Oracle says you're not not the one, I, I, I just go, it just reminds me of when, I don't know, Jesus, a lot of times he'd be, he says, you know, you, the, only those who would leave their, fo- you know, uh, let the dead let the yeah. dead bury the dead to right. follow me. Now, is he right there creating a law where we shouldn't bury people anymore? No. no. But he's, <laughs> he's trying to change someone. He's trying to yeah. change their heart. I got you. And I just go, even the oracle there, she's just, she is saying what he needs to hear in order for him to become that that's, purpose. That's what Morpheus says. Exactly. 
you know, whatever you, whatever the Oracle what said. What you said yeah. was meant for you. Meant for you and you and alone. And you alone. Yeah. And then later when Neo, there's that awesome moment where, I, another kind of theme in this film is um, faith. Well, Nathan, you, you said this earlier, but faith being rewarded, mm-hmm. mostly in Morpheus. Yeah. Because you see in Morpheus's eyes when he starts to see Neo do the things that he can do, the specifically when he catches the helicopter, yeah. Morpheus just has this, it looks like he's about to cry. He's the one. It's, it's epic. But um, Every character <laughs> kind of has their own moment. It's cool. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it, right after Neo catches the helicopter, uh, it's like Neo tries to tell Morpheus what the Oracle said, that, no, I'm not the one. And Morpheus says, what did he say? Do you believe it now, Trinity? Morpheus. The Oracle. She told me She I'm... told you exactly what you needed to hear. That's all. Neo, sooner or later you're going to realize, just as I did, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. That's epic. Yeah. There's just a difference between, I don't know, <laughs> you can describe these spiritual realities, but what it takes to actually get you to walk it mm-hmm. is completely different. And every time in... In Matthew, where there's just these strange parables, and they seem, but even the Sermon on the Mount, there's nothing in there that says, "Hey, believe." Mm-hmm. That's all the way in John, right? Believe. But in Matthew, he's describing what somebody who is aware of these, who is aware of eternity, how they should live and how they should orient themselves to that reality. And so I just go, ah, there's just, there's just when when you the difference between knowing the path and walking it. That's all there is. <laughs> and Jesus seems to be very aware of the way I have to talk about spiritual things is just very different. And it's going mm. to be trapped in all these stories, all these parables, all these secrets of the world. I don't know. Anyway. Which one is why we're talking about stories to begin with. Just yeah, like sure. the parables, there's a power in them. But two, I think you're touching on a, a dichotomy that is really important for us to understand, which is that knowledge and faith are not the same thing. Mm. Faith, in fact, requires us to trust in and believe for the things that we can't see. So if we just had a textbook version of the Bible that just listed out the truth about everything, we could literally read all of the explanations for everything mm-hmm. and not put it into practice, not believe it, just completely. Like having faith and taking action, walking it, is different than being told something. Mm-hmm. If I have faith for something, step out, and am constantly in pursuit following the trail of, I think God is leading me here and I'm going to go, even though I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's a totally different totally. lifestyle than, okay, God told me to go here and I'm going to go. And he said, I would do this. And I'm going to do this. It's very different and, when you're reliant on something. And Morpheus, the, the, which one, is different. the one who has faith, he consistently says, I don't have, I don't hope I know. And Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. So it's not just this kind of wishy-washy. I hope this thing is real. It is, the faith itself is this spiritual substantiation of what you believe. Sure. Yeah. It's the, it's the bringing in of a new reality to your life. Whatever that means. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. I would, I would like to spend a little time on the theme of, of the calling. Oh, and an old favorite. An old favorite. But I should mean, I, should the, I pick out some more elemental first? What do you got? Born again. Born again. No, that can come after calling. Okay, fair enough. There, there's this incredible line in the movie where Trinity meets Neo at the club. I know why you're here, Neo. I know what you've been doing. I know why you hardly sleep. Why you live alone and why night after night you sit at your computer. 
you're looking for him. You know, because I was once looking for the same thing. And when he found me, he told me I wasn't really looking for him. I was looking for an answer. It's the question that drives us, Nina. It's the question that brought you here. You know the question, just as I do. What is the Matrix? But that, something about that, I was looking for something, I thought I found it, and he told me he wasn't even looking for me, looking for something else. Um, the part's so cool, too, because it's just, you don't ever see any of that. It's on screen, but it's just... Trinity's it's just herself. You don't, you, don't, you don't see a scene where Neo goes on Google and says, Morpheus. But you just, I, don't I know, mean, just... kind of. You, you see his computer screen. No, actually, you do. You You're, see... He's you... not Googling Morpheus, is he? More I mean, or less. Yeah, he, oh, honestly, yeah. I'm just dumb. Please continue. Because on the screen, you dumb. see... It, he's reading a news article about Morpheus, known terrorist. Sir, d- d- b- bombed I building. apologize. Please keep walking over me. Please go. Just walk in the path. <laughs> um, but anyway, just something about that. Th- those who... Uh, I'll go to John again, briefly. My sheep are my boys. I know them, and mm. they follow me. You did John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you. There's something about those who Morpheus seeks... As we know, as we learn, Morpheus, and as Trinity hints, Morpheus is actually serving something else. He's serving the Oracle, but also even something higher than that. Uh, and Trinity describing here, she's just, she didn't know what it was. Again, Morpheus says, the splinter in your mind's out, you know something's wrong. You're seeking, you're searching for something your whole life. Um, something about that, it just, it reminds me of these kind of calling verses in the Bible. And there's this one I love from 1 Corinthians. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. It's just epic. Um, But just, I think about about Neo is basically a loser, pasty, lives alone, hates his job, boss hates him. He just—he seems like just some schlub, just just one in a million cog, just one gear in in this complex machine at this software company. But then God looks at Neon and goes, "I I choose you, like a Pokemon." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for any of the great Old Testament stories, I mean, Moses, who's a stutterer, is going to lead his people out yeah. of Egypt. God yeah. says, "I want you." Yeah. Well, like <laughs> to make it even more explicit, doesn't the screen literally say, "Wake up, Neo"? That, that's what wakes him up and he gets the he just can do all these things I don't know like literally some prompting there that happens yeah. is that Trinity or Morpheus I think it's Trinity because Neo says to her that was you on my computer that's right how did you do that how did you do that <laughs> how did you hack me how you hack me I'm the hacker ah it's really cool because to him the highest way of controlling and being you know subverting the system is being a hacker but Trinity's just going dude that's an old life for me I don't care about that anymore I guess who cares so. about hacking mm, Trinity doesn't go to the Matrix and starts hacking anymore she's done with that in fact, her exploits she were probably her, her exploits <laughs> were probably before she got out. I would think. Anyway, it's interesting. I get, yeah, that's true. Before we leave that, I, I cannot help but um, you know talking about the idea of waking up. Ephesians five thirteen and fourteen. But everything exposed by the light has become visible, mm-hmm. and everything that is mm-hmm. illuminated becomes a light. That is why it's said, and this is I believe a quotation from Isaiah. Wake up, sleeper, yes. rise from the dead, awesome. and Christ will shine on rise, you. Oh Wake up, O oh sleeper, rise, O oh sleeper. That's so epic. Rage Against the Machine stole, <laughs> Rage, awesome. Rage Against the Machine stole that. 
Yeah. Okay, we should. Okay, let's let's hit some points. We we need to we need to talk about Born Again briefly. I'm right yes. here, and we need to talk about. I'm right here. Uh, I got it all. Nathan, your point was remind me what it was. Uh, martyrdom, basically. Martyrdom. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Dying for your friend. Yeah. Born again. Martyrdom. Let's 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 hit those. There's, more, there's more too. Well, I mean, well, in the film, Neo is born. He, we see a literal rebirth. Yeah. So where he's flushed down the toilet. So yeah. So <laughs> Neo literally. I mean, there's a whole scene where he has to be born again. Mm-hmm. Everything's pulled out of him, and it's just he is using a body he's never used in his entire life. Mm-hmm. What is it where he's he says he, his legs are weak? Is like you never used them? No, your eyes. Your eyes, which right. is John nine. Yeah, your eyes. The seer, the, the blind wow. man can see. You never. That's awesome. Anyway, so literally, oh, it's a whole new body. He literally comes out of a birth canal, dumps in, dumped in the water, and to be born of water and the spirit. <laughs> I have those <laughs> ready. <laughs> I do. I'm gonna let you respectfully. First. Respectfully. Let me finish. <laughs> but even just again to even glimpse. Well, I'm just sorry, Nathan, but Go for it. Uh, John three just says, uh, "True, true, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." And Neo, again, you can't be told what the Matrix is; you have to see it, mm-hmm. and you won't see it unless you are literally born again. Unless you are literally in the pod, and you go, "Oh, there it is." I'm in a pod. <laughs> I'm in a pod. Oh, it's the snake behind me. This is where the Matrix was. Oh, it is like a snake. It's just oh. anyway. It's just until you accept it, until you are born again, until you are literally in the real world, you'll never understand the Matrix is. You never understand it. That's why that scene, the scene where the mirror's coming out of him, that scene is just so weird. I don't even know what they're doing. I just go, what, what is happening? And I just go, that is their way of showing that this, this is just an unknowable process, that in this world of hacking and this mm-hmm. physical world, there's just no way of showing this. So you just got to wake up mm-hmm. in the real world. And I it's love just, It's just the physical world coming apart with the mirror, I think. And you had an interesting thought that he was drawn to the mirror recently. Well, a, a question I was wondering watching this recently was, uh, what does Morpheus see in Neo? Because we don't have a lot in that, and that's uh, that's where the movie kind of breaks down as a Christian. Because you're going, Neo's an avatar for you. Where mm-hmm. what does Morpheus really see in Neo? Neo's kind of a blank slate. Yeah. But anyway, um, I just started wondering, yeah, what does Morpheus see in Neo? Why does he believe in Neo so much? And the best I come up with, Neo just has his natural curiosity. Like when Morpheus says, "Do you know what I'm talking about?" Neo says. Uh, the Matrix? And he's got this kind of innocent questioning voice. Voice Morpheus, we like that too. Yeah, and, and Morpheus just kind of smiles. Yes, he gets it. But then when Neo sees the mirror, Neo looks back at Morpheus and goes, did you see something? And Morpheus doesn't say anything. Neo, He just sort of leaves Neo alone. And Neo naturally, just natural curiosity, reaches out and touches the mirror. What does it mean to see a broken image of yourself reach out and touch it and see the image become whole? It's just, it's a rich that. metaphor. It's awesome. And that sounds like I'm just thinking about First Corinthians 13. Now we see through a mirror darkly, but then yep. face to face. One other that comes to mind is when he first awakens after he goes through the slimy tube and the ship that picks him up, there's just white light well, that comes oh. down. Yeah. Just kind of angelic. It reminds me of Psalm 42 through 4, where it says that he lifted me. Uh, so I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out wow. of the mud, <laughs> wow. out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He gives a new song on my mouth, a hymn of praise. So it's like, wow. here's this image of out of the slime, out of the murk, here is this yeah. heavenly light come to bring you to a new place. That's awesome. To set your feet on the which, solid Which rock. song is that again? That's Psalm 40. That's awesome. And the, it actually looks like the door of light in two. It's just a rectangle of light. God is a claw. <laughs> God is a claw. Uh, also, he's Doc, also, he's Doc Ock. That's great. <laughs> but that, that verse is so good because, again, even when in this John 3 section, Nicodemus says, what do you mean, born again? How can I enter my mother's womb? And, of course, 
and of course, now that we have this rich metaphor of, no, there's a whole birthing pod and a whole other world you can't even see. That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about. Again, trying to, mm-hmm. to parse the metaphor here. Because, again, this is, you can't even understand it in, this, in, in your world. Jesus is going, if I told world. you, you wouldn't even believe it. You wouldn't believe it. So being born again, it's actually this crazy thing you couldn't even conceive of. It's this entire spiritual rebirth that just is insane. Anyway, that's just cool. You're going to get flushed? Yeah, I get flushed. Yep. Get flushed down the toilet. <laughs> and just quickly, um, so just the process for those who don't know, the idea of being born again biblically, though it was very confusing to the guy Jesus was talking to, Nicodemus, we kind of know in hindsight, when Jesus died, the Holy Spirit was sent to live inside of us and transform us. And when you actually get saved as a Christian, the Holy Spirit begins this work inside of you where you're not the person that you were before. You still have the same personality, the same passions, like, it's not that life's not going to be fun anymore, but you have this amazing process that takes place where the more that the Spirit works in you and the closer you get to God, the more like God you're going to be. So the fruit of the Spirit, the the product of spending time with God and being saved and going through the born-again process is, okay, I'm more kind than I used to be. I'm more patient than I used to be. I'm growing more and more into the likeness of God. So that, that's what we're talking you about. You know Kung Fu. Exactly, Kung Fu. That's, <laughs> we're that's downloading jujitsu. That's what's happening. Uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah, just a clarification there. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Nathan, let's talk about the the martyrdom and what it... what. It's like when that moment when Neo becomes the one, it's not that he believes he's the one, it's that he, he wants to save Morpheus. Yep. You have some thoughts on that? For sure. Um, I don't know exactly the, the best way I'd word it, but even with Morpheus too, it's, it's important for Neo's, the climax of Neo's character art, but for Morpheus as well, there's this power that comes with the fact that Morpheus is willing to die for what he believes. This faith in the chosen one is not some arbitrary thing that gives mm-hmm. way under pressure when persecution comes, he's going to let it go. He was perfectly willing to die to let Neo and the Oracle says that it's like he if it's you or him, he's dying for you. Mm-hmm. And Neo, his awakening is is the same moment where he says, Morpheus believed something and he was ready to give his life for what he believed. I understand that now. That's why I have to go. Why? Because I believe in something. What? I believe I can bring him back. I'm actually going to lay down my life for someone else. And of mm-hmm. course, biblically. You know, there's the idea that true friendship is, is mm-hmm. this, that a friend is willing to lay down his life for There's someone. no greater love than this. Mm-hmm. No that greater love. That is the love. ultimate. Which, of course, is the, the ultimate symbol of the greatest act of love in the world is God so loved the world that Jesus died and took on the, the wrath of all of the sins of every person in this world. So that's the ultimate expression of that. And the Matrix is, you know, tapping into um, an image of that. Yeah. And Neo does die. But comes back. He does come back, and it's awesome. <laughs> and he comes back in this glorified sense, which once again in our he's literally golden. Yes, for one frame. So one in time. our in our human understanding and the Matrix in this fantasy world, obviously we have to grapple within its own confines of what does it mean for Matrix to be the Messiah, which I'd like to hit on quickly. Um, what does it mean for Neo to be a Messiah? Yeah. But of course, in in reality, Jesus dies and res- the good news is that he resurrects three days later in a glorified form and is, is in heaven mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and spent time on earth after that in his glorified form uh, as well before he went up to was give he final glo- instructions was he glowing he, he could see the code of the matrix <laughs> so. was he glowing like in the transfiguration that would be cool there's this part i imagine him. not because he walks with the travelers that's true and they're like who are you yeah, they don't like, know who he is i don't know. Jesus, we get to see him you know? 
I think, I don't remember which gospel it's in. In one of them, Jesus says, don't embrace me, for I have not, I'm still a sinner. Yeah, my father. <laughs> they would have blown up. Dude, what are you doing? would have exploded. <laughs> it, what happens to Smith? Oh, no, to he, he's going up, and like they try and hug him to hold him down. He's like, if you hold on to me, you'll just... <laughs> You'll go up to the clouds. <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want that. You're not ready. No, I think light would burst out of their eyeballs like Smith. That's, that's awesome. That's better for them. That's incredible visual, by the way. We haven't really talked about images, but yeah, the, the glorified body, which is returned to in part three, where Neo can see the spiritual realm. It's just awesome. And seeing the light burst out of Smith is incredible. Uh, I think we do have to talk about like the Messiah element of this movie. Yes. Slightly. And I think this is an opportunity to critique the film some no no okay a perfect film what do you got well which is what the film itself says it's i had a hard time finding this when the matrix was first built there was a man inside who had, who was born inside who had the ability to change whatever he wanted to remake the matrix as he saw fit jesus it was he who freed the first of us taught us the truth as long as the matrix exists the, the human race will never be free after he died the oracle prophesied his return that his coming would hail the destruction of the matrix and the war and bring freedom to our people that is why there are those who spent our entire lives searching for the Matrix, looking for him. So they're searching for a second coming. So it's and kind of... Doesn't Morpheus immediately say, after, I, believe I, I believe I found him. Or, yeah. He says, I believe that search has come to an end. And he just stares at Neo for five minutes. Neo kind of turns over. Huh? Who, who are you looking at? Who are you looking at? Yeah. Oh, me? But anyway, huh? go ahead. Well, anyway, I just, that, that, is, that is really the text of the film where it says, this is what the one is going to do. This is what the Messiah is in this world. Free, free, free people. Free people. And it's weird. It's, this person has already come. So, you were actually the return. You this is the second. You embody. Second you, yeah, this is the second coming. You and you embody that. And what he describes is what what will come with is kind of similar to the Christian story, uh, destruction of the matrix of so the flesh. You know, the end of the world mm-hmm. and the war. You know, the battle between good and evil of sin and bring freedom to the, to the people. I mean, that that kind of tracks with what a Christian would say. Freedom and liberation. Yeah, it's just it, interesting. It's kind it's of a more different kind of liberation. It's kind of more of maybe what the. The Pharisees were hoping for the Second Temple Jews, sure. I, I hoping for a, a, an actual physical liberation. But I mean, I don't know. In Exodus, they're literally liberated. So. <laughs> sure. I think this is where there's some interesting parallels to Dune. Of there's this idea of a Messiah, mm-hmm. and obviously, anytime there's a Messiah figure in a story, it, it calls to mind the ultimate Messiah. And there's definitely hints of that. But there, there are also differences, um, and I think the the most clear difference um in dune and matrix from christ is the identity of the messiah mm-hmm. of neo is constantly questioning himself yeah whether you know some people believe and some people don't believe and mm-hmm. it's it's an awesome question of faith and neo's not sure mm-hmm. in dune main character's not quite sure he's yeah. figuring out that people are worshiping worshiping him. he's like why mm-hmm. in case you you have not read and do not know jesus did not do that um literally mm-hmm. in john 4 uh, you know, the woman says to him, I know there's a Messiah coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to tell us all these things. And Jesus looks at her and says, I who speak to you am he. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I am the one that you've been looking for. Yeah. We don't, Morpheus does not have to question Jesus because Jesus is like, <laughs> yeah. I'm in. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> the hero's journey is a very important thing for movies, but it isn't with a character who literally is God and claims to be God, which we believe Christ is. It's just, how can you have a character who's also the hero? Yeah, it just how can you have a character who's on a journey to discover their purpose when that the character is gone? Because right. the make... chosen one being a hero yeah. or a savior in terms of like an earthly overthrowing a government is different than this salvation from sin messiah that's bigger than that. Which is really the difference is like you said, 
the the Jewish people were waiting for someone to overthrow Rome. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're waiting for the Messiah that'll make our life better again. Promised land, no more Rome. And then Jesus comes and he's like, my kingdom's not of this world. Yeah. I'm a king. Like he's, you know, Pilate is about to kill him. And he's like, I am a king, but I'm not king of this world. And he, he will be. He's yeah. the king of kings. He's over all kings, all kingdoms, over all the earth. But in this time. He did overthrow Rome eventually. Yeah. I mean, it just took. He got the last laugh. <laughs> he got the last laugh. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately. Um, yeah. The. The coming of the kingdom of God that'll be overall is one in that second coming that we're waiting for, but two, it was it was a salvation and overthrow of sin, not an, a temporal one. Yeah, I, I think the Christian viewer has to be mindful that of there there are key differences between Neo and Jesus in that way that Neo no. is Neo is going through basically the journey of a disciple, waking up and learning the truth. Like you said, Nathan, Jesus did not need to Even like that. going to church and going, oh, I'm Jesus. Right. <laughs> or I can no, be Jesus. No, no. So I think, I think Christians yeah. have to be aware of that. Now, to be fair, the second and third films, in my opinion, I think that, that that's definitely eased a little bit. Just yeah, I think, I think I him as a character, he's just completely different. He, he changes a lot. He doesn't really – there's just not a lot of – in his Matrix persona, there's not a lot of emotions happening. He, the sunglasses are almost always on. He's just a little bit more unknowable in that – in that, where I just kind of go, oh, this, this feels a bit more right for this character. Yes. yes. Another just quick because it's epic um, of Jesus actually uh, confirming his personhood in Luke, where he says, "Today, like he's reading some scripture and he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in it's your so hearing. epic." Where he's like, "Hey, this oh. Old Testament passage that's prophesying about the Messiah—that's me." Can you read that, or I can pull it out? I got it. Okay, yeah, read, so, read, read the passage. Then. So there's a passage in Luke four eighteen through twenty one that also confirms. Jesus saying, I am who I said I am. I am the Messiah. And it says that um, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Blindness is a huge theme in this movie, as we said. Mm -hmm. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolls up the scroll. This is like the Old Testament that he's reading. And gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. <laughs> and he began to Ooh. say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And they tried to push him off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, he no-clipped through them. <laughs> he passed through them. <laughs> that prophecy that I just read, that's me. It's happened. Right. I'm here. That prophecy sounds like the Matrix. That's interesting. Freeing the captive, sight yeah. the blind. I, th- I think ultimately the film works for a Christian viewer. I mean, for many reasons, but... I think I think a Christian viewer can very easily go. This is all a beautiful, colorful, you know, metaphor, visualization of a spiritual liberation. It's a fantasy. Yeah, I, I think the richest thing it contributes is is that flesh spiritual divide. Yeah. In a concrete, understandable, and explainable way to other people with the machines and the computers, and it's great. Absolutely. I think the one thing that also helps us differentiate it um, into more of a fantasy is because the the tears, even though it's a great metaphor for the spirit in the physical realm. Mm-hmm. The digital world is kind of a, a tiered existence where mm. for us, there's the physical world, um, which we can compare to the Matrix in some way. Um, very sensory, temporary, sense-based. And there's the spirit world. In the Matrix, there are those who have been freed into yeah. the real world yeah. that still do not believe in the prophecy, um, oh, well, yeah. which we haven't even talked really about. Cypher. Cypher. But the villain, other than the agents in the film, is kind of the Judas-esque character who betrays them. Mm-hmm. And why does he betray them? He's been let into the real world, but he would rather go back 
to the life of sensory pleasures and steak and sex. And it's not like he, you know. Paragon of human pleasure, steak. I mean, I agree. Look, I agree. I agree. Like, the order of was funny. So, you know, like. like steak first. Steak been, and sex, just to be clear. <laughs> be clear. He has been shown the truth. And when it comes to the persecution and the difficulty of the real world, he would rather go back to not knowing. There's not quite an analog to that in scripture. I don't think. I mean, obviously, Judas is very similar, but this person who, I mean, to be unplugged from the Matrix and go, wow, I see the truth, and then to go, I don't like the truth, is that, I don't I don't think that's quite. If the truth has truly set you free, if you truly have a personal relationship with Jesus, I don't think there's anything going back from that. But I think that that is, is where the Matrix falls into an interesting place, where being unplugged from the Matrix is not salvation, it's not a one-to-one metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a great way to talk about that, but being unplugged is not salvation because, once again, like there are people that are unplugged that still yeah. are That's lustful. There's some that you don't see Zion, you go later and you go, is this that great? <laughs> <laughs> Do I want... Especially the rave. <laughs> yeah. And they're sweating on but the floor. seems kind of nice, actually. Yeah, I mean, I mean no. so it's... There are levels to it, but I think Cypher is a great example and not in necessarily in the salvation sense, but just in the the hearing the truth sense. So in Matthew 13, um, there's this parable and he's talking about a sower who's sowing seed and the seeds are in different kinds of soil and there's different reactions to it. And for once he actually explains the parable, which doesn't happen often. And he says that the seed that was sown among thorns is the person that hears the word. He's hearing the truth, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Versus the seed that's sown on good soil is the person who hears the word, understands it, bears fruit a hundredfold over mm-hmm. what it was. And I think Cypher is that is that thorny soil where he he's experiencing the the temptations of the world and the difficulty of following the truth. And he goes, I think I would rather be blissfully ignorant and take the stuff that feels good. You know, I know this stake doesn't exist. I know that when I put it in my mouth, the Matrix is telling my brain that it is juicy and delicious. After nine years, you know what I realize? (sighs) Ignorance is bliss. This is kind of a lightning round, but just a few quick things uh, before we go into our final section. Names are obviously some clear oh, yeah. theological parallels. Oh, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought this up. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so obviously Trinity is the name of the character Trinity. Yeah. You can compare that to biblically God is broken up into the Trinity. They're all God. They're all part of himself, but he has three distinct persons, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Son, and the Father. What does it mean for Trinity... To love I, the it, one. It doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> you just have to go. It's just a nice word they used. It's I don't know. Don't no, see, I used to think that, but now I'm going. The one and the Trinity love each other. What is that? One and three love each other. It's. It's cool. Yep. Morpheus. <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, Morpheus is not a Christian illusion, but he is an illusion to mythology, a god of sleep and dreams, which mm-hmm. obviously he's awaking Neo from from the dream world. Morph, no. morph means uh, shape. Right. And something like a dream is, it's creating shapes. Morphing. Morphing. Mighty morphing. Yeah, it's... Power Rangers. It's cool. um, Morpheus also, um, and we mentioned he, he's kind of 
people were seeking Morpheus, but really they weren't seeking Morpheus. They were yeah. seeking something above, which I think makes God. him a very John the Baptist character. Oh, definitely. In this uh, one, 100%. Definitely. Oh, I, I had a... There's that awesome moment where they meet, and Neo says, the honor's mine. It's an honor to meet you, sir. And Morpheus says, no, the honor's mine. It just made me think he yeah. must increase, but I must decrease. Yes. Yep. Yes. But in part two, he's kind of more, I think maybe you pointed out once, he's kind of more Moses. Mm-hmm. In this one, he's more John the Baptist. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this was, you said this. Ah, yes, I think so with my previous self. <laughs> my previous iteration agrees with my current iteration. Thank you. And once again, just quick clarification for those who don't know. John the Baptist, his whole role, and it said over and over again to John, is he's the messenger. He's the one that's mm-hmm. heralding the way for Jesus, saying there's a Messiah that's coming. And people come to him and they're going, you're it. This is great. He's like, no, I am not the Messiah. I point to the Messiah. He's right. coming. One and that Jesus, is coming that I will not even, I cannot even stoop down and untie his shoe or whatever. Untie his sandals. Yeah. I, I am not good enough to even untie his sandals. There's yeah. one who comes after me who ranks before, before me, me because he was before me. Yep. But to be clear, I was first. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then Jesus actually comes and John the Baptist is able to baptize him. And the, the true Messiah that he always pointed That's to awesome. had, had arrived. So yeah, Morpheus is definitely pointing the way to Neo, even though people think he is the end-all be-all. Here's a question. What did the oracle tell Morpheus? That you will find... I think it's that you will find the one. You find, yeah. I guess so. Is it not said somewhere in the second, other movies? I don't know. Oh, it may be said in this one. I don't remember. There's a great line in two where someone's... I think Trinity is telling Neo about Niobe and Morpheus. And Trinity says, after Morpheus went to see the one, everything changed. Hmm. And now Niobe's with different man. Yeah. If someone tells you that, hey, you're going to find the one you're gonna find for your entire life, it's like, okay, yeah. Let's I'll change. That. I'm going to go do that. Let <laughs> <laughs> me get on that. Um, I believe Neo refers to like new. So like the idea. Of, it like, means that, new. Yeah. Um, you know, Neoclassical. He, he experiences a new birth. He's a, I'm doing a new thing. Doing a new thing. Exactly. Oh. Also, anagram of one. Uh, what? Oh, never thought of that. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> hey, you never thought of it. Yeah, and, uh, and my last little wordplay here is uh, Zion. It's mentioned much more in the others, so we can go more in depth there. I must find but, Zion but, <laughs> out of this place. And we barely talked about Smith. The the concept of Zion is, um, once again, based in, in the Bible. In the Matrix, it's just the last remaining human city. In the Bible, there's lots of meanings that we don't really have time to Dude, get into the, here. The, it's definitely the, in there. This, the, there's a line in this movie, I'm a child of Zion. It was just awesome to hear that. In a motion picture. <laughs> the ship is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, you can read He's a very nice more man. about Nebuchadnezzar. him in uh, uh, he became, Daniel. He became a goat man. He did. <laughs> yeah, you can read more about King Nebuchadnezzar in Jeremiah and King Second Kings and Second Chronicles and lots of Daniel. Um, he's a king all, of Babylon. All yeah. the ship names tend to be tend to be pretty clever in these movies. Yeah. Logos is one. That's nice. We'll get to that. Yeah. All right. What are, what are their names? Cypher's nothing. Switch, Apoch, Mouse. A lot of computer names. Mouse. Mouse. Desert Mouse. Muad'Dib. Muad'Dib. That dude went down like a chump. <laughs> he did. He was not Muad'Dib. That dude's an attack of the clones. We gotta mention that. He's a Destix guy. Destix. Did you know that? I did know that. Okay. I, just, I knew it would be somewhere. That's good. Uh, one last little thing. <laughs> I think that the, the spoon child... Spoon child. Um, he's definitely dressed in a way that kind of evokes Buddhism, Buddhist mud. Oh, totally. But he's um, white. That's it's kind of it's interesting. He's a white kid. Yes. He's like, he looks like Aang. <laughs> he, he really does. He looks just like Aang. Um, but I do think that there is still a Christian parallel here of the power of the faith of a child. 
Um, there's that okay. verse in Matthew where it says, uh, truly, I tell you, unless you change to become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's right, because it's not just the spoon guy. There's like a whole room of the potentials. Them. Potentials. Neil's the ones. only adult there. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, and they, their powers all exceed his by far. I mean. Oh, yeah, I, they're doing, they're levitating. I didn't see, he didn't right. levitate anything, did he? What? Neo's, Neo. I, even in two and three, he doesn't do that. He sucked. No powers. <laughs> he did bring Trini back to life. <sighs> That was cool. He did fly. It's like these kids are doing these crazy (laughs) mind-bending things that are way beyond the adult's ability. It's like, how are they doing that? And uh, the the biblical parallel would be not that we're to act childish, but that a childlike faith, one that has the the joy of a child, that trusts the way a child does. um, There's a literal power in that. These these kids are doing Mm -hmm. amazing things. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something there as well. Sure. Um, I think we can wrap up. Let's... I mean, we could we could go on. This is this is a rich film. I think, I th- I think Christ was active in the filmmakers <laughs> during this. I, I really do. Was it like uh, when the agents take over somebody? He came down and just kind of. Yes. <laughs> but it was like a good version of that. Uh, there's a great shot with it. You see someone's hand, and then another hand comes out from but no. Yeah, shot? I do. That's in. Is that in one? That's in this one. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, we could we could go on and on, but. Needless to say, I think this is a rich film for Christians. And I think, I don't know, I, the Wachowskis, I think I read their dad was a Catholic and their mom was not. Or Jewish or something. It was something weird, wasn't something it? Something weird. But but anyway, I, I don't think that, I think they're definitely not professing Christians. But no. I just, I watched this, similar to when I watched Ghost in the Shell, I just go, this person read the Bible a lot. At the very least, this person knows the Bible yeah. and knows scripture. And it's a fair representation of scripture. Generally, so I, I just think it's awesome. I, I think it's awesome when, when films and art show that. But uh, to wrap up, why don't we do some uh, some application? What is this? Because again, we, we want we want this podcast, and you know, we, we want this to point to the Word and to Christ. So what, what what can we take away practically from this movie? Well, I I think if you are truly born again, if you're a professing Christian, and you understand in theory that there is a whole other reality that will span on for eternity, mm-hmm. and and yet you live day to day wondering where your food will come from, mm-hmm. what you're going to do for your job. Again, those some of those concerns are things we've been given to steward and we have families and we have jobs that we were meant to do. Yes, but how much of our time and our day is actually concerned with bending our lives towards eternity? Uh, is that in the Matrix? I'm simply saying that okay. once you realize the spiritual nature of the world, your life yeah. will change dramatically. Yeah. And to even could you imagine Neo coming in to work? Definitely. The next day he comes and says, hey, I'm, I'm typing, I'm going to my cubicle. <laughs> Your life will look so different. And wondering, is our life characterized? Maybe we start wearing trench coats. Maybe we should wearing sunglasses. But are we functionally looking and acting, you know, meaningfully different with our eyes on eternity? Works. No. Hey, Neo Works. That works for the law. Thank Neo you. Does Thank works. you. Neo does works. Thank you. He punches. How about you, Nathan? Um, this isn't... Uh, before I give what I was going to say, I do want to just kind of lay up what you did um, so gracefully, um, when you uh, <laughs> stop, the Matrix is so much about the difference between temporary pleasures, food, drink, you know, drugs. And uh, in Matthew, it says that verse about do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Um, and I think that's exactly what you're, what you're mm-hmm. saying of like hey, 
when you when you've broken out of the matrix you realize that these temporary earthly things are just earthly things but there is something bigger that's eternal that we're working toward and when you love people and when you do god's will when you're faithful um and you you preach that to other people like that makes a difference that's so much better and so much bigger i mean something sobering is you know i I probably I, i i i probably pray once in the morning but then Around the evening, I go, so when have I prayed today? <laughs> it's like, it might have just been that one time. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, yes, my job is important. God's given that to me. But like, how how often am I even thinking about Christ? How often is my mind even bending towards that reality? Is it once a day? That's mm-hmm. not enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so our habits and our devotions should be in line with that. Anyway, you had another one. Yeah. Um, the real one that just came to mind um, is, and I love that yours was really towards the, the Christian life. And mine, I was really just thinking about the people that, Maybe you've gotten to the end of this podcast, praise God. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, let's say that you've watched The Matrix and you don't know God and you're not sure what's real. You don't know if there even is anything higher. Um, but you and, like The Matrix. But but you like The Matrix and maybe you relate to Neo and you feel like that there has to be something more out there. Like, is there a real purpose for my life or a real hope or a real joy or a real fulfillment and i would just encourage all of you in the same way that neo continues to pursue the truth to just start the journey in matthew 7 7 it says ask and it will be given to you mm-hmm. seek and you will find mm-hmm. knock and the door will be open to wow. you and in revelation there's the kind of the opposite thing where not only are we knocking but but god is kind of meeting you halfway it says look i will stand at the door and knock I'm knocking on the door of your heart. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. So it's like, mm. don't be discouraged no matter where you're at. Just start the journey and and keep looking. Mm. If you feel like there's something more out there, there is. And you don't have to have all the answers and we're not going to pressure you to have the answers, but it's there and please go for it. Mm. Mm. That's awesome. What you got, chump? Mine is, uh, uh, there's just this verse that, I think I think kind of sums up the movie. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I don't know, just in in my life, the truth is just it's just this primary thing. Like like Neo in the film, like the characters in the film, they don't really know what they're doing, but they hear the whisper of truth calling to them. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I try to do that in my life. Um, because even simply saying, you know, it's very easy to say, yeah, I, I believe what's true. I try to. But then if you really try to walk that path that, you know, relationships get in the way, um, things you like get in the way. And but if just that, that verse, if, if, if the word abides in you, it stays in you, endures in you, I mean, you will be set free. You, so something about if you, if, if you just have a nose for the truth, you do your best to seek it. Something about that. You will be liberated. There's a difference between knowing the path and walking it. Yeah. That's more yeah. Would say. Right. Exactly. But if you, practically speaking, if, if you, we, hopefully, I think we all know what the truth is. We can't define it exactly, but maybe we know it when we hear it yeah. or we care about what the truth is. Just, just seek that. Yeah. And I think it'll lead to Christ eventually. And Absolutely. we've pulled a lot from scripture this whole podcast. And the reason is is because we have something to compare truth to, mm-hmm. which is the most amazing gift in the world. Is If there's something that sounds true, but you're not sure and you feel a certain way, well, we have literally God's word to say, okay, is this true? 
I can I can read yeah. it. I can look at the page and say this doesn't line up or it does. And hopefully we can do yeah. that with these films. Yeah. If you re- if you believe the Quaim Star Wars Episode Nine is good, you should compare it against Scripture. And see what's in there. <laughs> hey, what wow, up? God, what, why wow. did you just launch what, that what, grenade what, at the end? What, what <laughs> nice, what? That's that's getting edited out. <laughs> Maybe no, not. That's funny. One last brief, hyper uh, practical point is okay. um, we just did one. We're done. I don't have more. <laughs> one more <laughs> hyper practical <laughs> application point. What's more? Okay, but so he he again, it's all about the false world. And clearly the false world is about it's just the flesh world. It's our physical reality. Satan. However, there are many ways that are, <laughs> God has given us as examples of our false world that we can tend to build up each day. That could be, look, watching a TV show, five TV shows every night. It could be playing a video game for five hours. It, mm-hmm. could, be, it could be watching the news and politics and doing reading those articles all the time. Mm-hmm. Even though you may not think those things are important. How much time are you spending in things that are not real? Despite how much pleasure you get from that's them. good, and I'm glad things you that said engage that. your mind. I mean, it's all about computers. I mean, the whole the whole false world is a computer, and so I think that analogs well to this stuff. That's good. Some good. Uh, well, let's just say one of the the big. I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to do this personally is that. Uh, I mean, I just realized at a certain point the films I like and the stories I like are all you know. I feel like the person of Christ is appearing in them, and I I think I think a, I think a Christian. In our 21st century America, we're just, we're saturated by media. And media can be good. It can be good, you know, to bring people together and stories are great. But I, I think a Christian is called to go, is the story telling the truth? Is and Christ- not being passively consuming and just right, tr- right. placating every moment with content. Like you were just saying, literally in, in our world, we could be, we could see a trillion images every day. That's probably too many. We could see a thousand images every day. Just... On a sports game, the logos everywhere. We're being sold every moment. It's so easy to enter into that false world, even if it's a show we like or a new Marvel thing or a Star Wars thing. For me, it's like it, it's so easy just to engage with that because mm-hmm. it's being sold to us from every angle, and they want to keep us. They, they, they control. Well, but no, they they look. It's it's the prince of this world. Look, the god of this world. The, the Star Wars executives want to turn me into a battery. Want to turn me into a dollar sign. <laughs> every, everybody's trying to convert who you are into something Market, less than marketing marketing <laughs> all these false worlds video games they're, just, they're trying to get you to consume for as many hours and as many they want it, all of your energy be, to be consumed yes. in this stupid thing but i think you can i think you can consume this stuff mindfully if you just keep christ in mind you look for his character exactly yeah. it's this amazing balance where we're doing this podcast because we we love these things we believe in these things mm-hmm. we enjoy media we care about it enough to do a whole podcast on it but i, I couldn't remember the exact number but in that Rick Warren book on Bible study I was reading recently, he said that there was a stat that like the TV is on in the American home on average for like seven hours a day. Wow. And like if, if the TV is on that many hours, if our phone is active for seven hours out of the day, if yeah. then it's no wonder that our Bibles are barely open. And if that's the, especially as a Christian, if that's the ratio of how your life is being constructed, there, there's going to be problems. There's going to be a lack of maturity. And hopefully we can encourage you that there's more peace and more joy the more truth you fill it with. Yeah. So even when you're watching media, if you do it mindfully and if you um, hopefully we can, as we do this, learn all together how to do that better, mm-hmm. that we can redeem and get more out of every story we hear. Yeah. Should we all pull out, pull out our phones and look at our screen time? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. And I think I, that about wraps. I think us we're up. good. I think we're good. Thanks for joining us uh, on this first episode. Or that's a lame. Let's, let's start again. Huh? It's <laughs> terrible. 
Thanks for joining us, uh, listeners. Talk about the Matrix again. Rich film. We'll we'll cover the others at some point. We're gonna be looking at Resurrections. What film do you want covered? What film? Do what, I... what, what's our email? Me? What's oh, our email? email? I was, I was talking to them. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll ask you next week what film you want us to cover when we make an email. And we'll yeah. see all of you next time. God bless you. <laughs>